You are listening to The Stream UK and Alison and Partners podcast. Welcome back to The Stream UK and Alison and Partners podcast. It's great to have you all back with us for another episode and I'm thrilled to say we have some excellent guests lined up for you this week. Thanks to the magic of Zoom, I'm joined by Sue Grant, Managing Director of Corporate and B2B Tech in Europe here in our London office, and Heike Schubert, General Manager of our Munich office. It's great to have you both with us back on the pod. It's now been just over two months since the transition period ended and the UK, or more specifically Great Britain, officially left the European single market. While businesses have had some time to prepare, the relatively last-minute nature of the trade agreement has left businesses still working out how to navigate new regulations. Communications as an industry has, fortunately for us, not been one of the industries hit hardest by disruption. However, it has affected the way we manage campaigns, particularly cross-border European launches. Both Sue and Heike have a wealth of experience running go-to-market campaigns across Europe, so I want to jump into how we get these campaigns right. So, Heike, turning to you first, what do brands need to consider before launching cross-country campaigns across Europe? Thank you, Andrew. Well, I think the first point you really have to consider is the complexity of Europe. And with the Brexit, it's now even complexer than it had been two months ago. So we have 24 official languages simply in the EU, which doesn't cover all of Europe, as we know. So if you just imagine this diversity and the diversity of markets, this gives you a really good understanding of how complex and how challenging a market entry can be if you don't have the right strategy behind it. You have to have a very good foundation on which markets you want to realistically cover and what which markets bring you really a business value. And with that saying that, um, you have to definitely do some research, do some background digging into where you want to go. So next to the budget, which might be one of the most restraining factors for you, actually the markets itself can be quite challenging from a cultural perspective. There are markets who are more closer to your original market and there are markets which are further away. If you simply look at Germany, the market I'm dealing with every day, we, by example, are known for our high quality expectations. So if you have product which you want to try out in Europe, probably Germany might not be the best market to give it a try as consumers and um, are very critical here and are used to get ready concepted products in front of them. So this is probably one aspect you should have uh, in mind. Then also looking at Germany, direct communication style is something which is very unique to us. So we are extremely direct and people want to see with the first glimpse what they're getting. So there is no sugar coating, no uh, wrapping. It's tell them what you have and that very clearly and very directly. And this is not the case, by example, if you go to a different European country, the UK, by example, um, is completely different in that respect. So you really have to tailor your approach for Europe individually to the, in, to the market you're actually addressing and where you can um, actually find business value for yourself. I think Heike is absolutely right step back, take a look, decide which countries are most important to you and which have the biggest growth potential rather than trying to do all of them at the same time. It's really important that 
before you start doing PR and marketing in those countries that you've got actually got a sales team in place on the ground and a distribution channel to respond to the pipeline that gets built up, built up through the PR and the marketing activity. Thanks, Sue. Yeah, it's interesting what you say there in terms of the importance of taking time and not just jumping straight in. So I think if we dissect that slightly, and Heike, turning to you first, can you take us through some of the planning steps? So if I'm a brand making new market entry, what do I need to have in place before I get started? First of all, just uh, highlighting what Sue said, time. You need some time to think about it. You have to create and to work on a clear strategy from business perspective. So which market fits best to your approach to your business goals. Then you have to decide what is the best approach for these markets. Is it just duplicating what I'm doing at home or do I need to reconsider my approach completely? Then you have to understand the regulations and legal requirements in these markets. You have to have either in-house people who can research these or are aware of these, or you have to get the right consultants to support you around this very important aspect. Because in, even if we are talking, by example, about EU, it's 27 markets with still 27 individual legal regulations with a roof regulation of on top of it. So it's getting even more complicated. Then you should have also a very defined sales strategy. So which channels are you using to market your product? Are you going direct? Are you going indirect? Do you have an aim to find the right partners? Do you already have existing relationships? Do you need to build these up? So these are all questions you should take into consideration before you actually do the first step. And if it comes to communications, one, one thing is very, very clear. If you are going to a European country where English is not the language of command, go local, localize your website, localize your language towards your target group in this specific market. I think that's absolutely right, Heike. But all I would add to that is that once you've set up your sales and distribution channels from a marketing perspective, it's really important to get that right and make sure that you have translated your website into local language if you're going to be doing communications in that particular country and that after that you have got a great local story to tell armed full of assets it's no good presuming that the content that you have in your own country is going to work in that local country that you're coming into you need to make sure that you've high quality local spokespeople it's beneficial to have local case studies there because at the end of the day, local media, local journalists, local influencers want to understand what you're bringing to the party in that particular country. So you need to stop and have a rethink before you really start about answering the question, why are you different and what benefits are you particularly bringing to that market? Now, listeners might be thinking at this point, okay, it sounds like there are quite a few ways that a campaign can potentially go wrong, even with enough planning steps in place. So looking more broadly across different industries that we work in, what are some of the most common mistakes that brands make? And therefore, how can they potentially look to mitigate these ahead of time? So I would answer that quite simply. And I've seen it over and over again over the years. It really is by trying to do too much too quickly spreading themselves too thinly, spreading their budget too thinly, and not having enough resources on the ground to actually do a good quality job. 
And really that's been happening over the last 25 years and it hasn't changed, which can be quite frustrating when you're trying to guide and advise companies coming to Europe. My advice would always be to pick one, maybe two or three countries maximum to build up the program, learn from each country and then move on to the next country. By trying to spread yourselves too thinly, you really will not succeed. That's the biggest issue. Even if you look at a market like DACH, Germany, Austria and Switzerland, which obviously has the same language. If you look at these markets individually, there's a huge difference between Switzerland and Germany. So if you want to basically cover DACH with a tiny budget, you can't do each market individually really well. Even if you go for a smaller entity, we really recommend review where you really want to have a footprint in, look at your budget. Is it enough for spreading it across markets or is it enough probably only for one market, but done really well? I want to flip this question slightly on its head for this next section. So we've had a look at some of the common mistakes that brands can make, but when it comes to what makes a media campaign particularly successful, how can brands make sure they're getting it right? And again, specifically looking at where they're activating the media across multiple European countries. So getting it right is the, is the key. And the key for Europe is go local. Localize your campaigns. Don't assume that everyone is happy with a campaign which had been tailored in your market and you're putting it to this other market. And it's obviously, it's not working very often because the market itself is very different. So localize your content, localize your strategy, localize your messaging even. Make sure the core messaging is consistent, but tailor it to the local needs, the local uh, requirements and the local market. And then you can be pretty sure that you will get your foot on the ground in the market. An example, Like if you are huge around Super Bowl in the US and that's your major campaign for the year, you can't replicate it in Europe. Looking at Germany here, you can be happy if people know at all what Super Bowl is and nobody's playing American football over here. So you have to rethink your complete strategy. You can probably stay with sports. You can probably have the same story angle but you need to transport it to a sport which is locally on the ground. And in Germany, that would be soccer. I would just add to that a couple of tactical points. One is a a typical mistake is that companies coming into Europe from elsewhere think that press releases should be in exactly the same format as they're coming from in the headquarter company. And that's not the case. You need to to listen to the local teams for their local advice on how to write, translate and tailor content, but in particular press releases. And the other thing is, as Heike was talking about the Super Bowl, it's very true that a campaign that's gonna work in your own country may not necessarily work in another country. And you need to, again, listen to the advice of the the local offices, the local agents in terms of tailoring that content making it very relevant to the local country.
So this has probably been the longest that we've gone in one of our podcasts recently without talking about the ongoing uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And there are impacts that this will have on the way that brands are rolling out their campaigns across Europe. So Sue, I don't know if you could kick us off with talking a little bit more about what the impact has been and how brands can react and how they have reacted. At the moment, with us still all very much in the midst of the pandemic, nobody really knows all the answers to it. I think it's raising more questions than it is answers. And it's going to be a very interesting time over the next few years. And it is going to take years for us to come out of the situation that we're currently in. And undoubtedly, it's going to change what we're all doing in a number of ways, whether it be from positive things, such as the digitalization of services, You know, we're already seeing that in organisations like the NHS and also education, where they're desperately having to digitise services that previously weren't. So it's accelerated certain things from a positive perspective. It's also been very positive in terms of people finding new ways of working. And although the working from home 24-7 won't be necessarily ideal for the long term, it's definitely demonstrated that there can be new cultures and new ways of working in the long term that won't necessarily be a nine to five culture that we were used to have in the past. However, there's lots of negatives out coming out of it. And as you know, state debts are at an all time high, we're going to be paying for this for, for, for a long time in the future. Future generations will be having to pay off the debts that we've all accumulated over this pandemic. And so it's going to be a difficult time and we're all going to have to work through it. There's one thing I'd, I'd like to stress is, and that's probably a bit of a positive view on the whole situation. What we experience over here in Germany is that the skepticism against digitalization is really decreasing. Being known as a country where we question everything, not only three times, probably four or five times before we, we go for it, we can really see now that digitalization has gained a more positive connotation in people's heads also if you if you read the the business papers so digitalization has now a very massive meaning for everyone in the in the way like okay it helps us to survive here it helps us to keep things going it helps us to get out of this depressive time and to continue with being a successful economy. Like I see it in my surrounding, people are much more open to to adapt to digital formats, to online shopping, to whatever you can do digitally or even schooling. Looking at this situation, I would say there is something positive coming out of that. And that's actually the the one thing I'm, I'm I'm really believing in. So we have to take the negative and we have to just look at the positive. And it's interesting that you say all that because it also really raises the point that, of course, it's important to localize for different markets and to understand the differences between different markets. But uh, within that, there's also rapid changes amongst different markets. You, what you may have known about markets two, three years ago is probably out of date now. So it's important to, to have uh, people on the ground that can really localize content properly for how market, markets are developing. So from one area of major disruption to another, let's talk a bit about Brexit and what the impact has been. And Sue, if you want to kick us off here, when it comes to brands, perhaps from outside Europe, 
or even within Europe looking to change their plans in the wake of Brexit? How should they set themselves up going forward? Well, you know, Brexit has finally happened, whether we like it or not. And I think what has happened to businesses and organisations in Europe is they've realised we now just have to make it work. Whether it's going to make our business more complicated in the short term or not, we just have to get through this. And so what we're seeing amongst our client base is that companies are doing just that. They're working through all these processes, all these forms and new systems and documentation that British companies need to be able to do business in Europe and vice versa. So when a company is coming in from outside into Europe, they need to look at a number of things. They need to look at whether the majority of their business is going to be in mainland Europe or is it going to be in the UK? And that will help them decide where to set up. And then the other thing that we're seeing is quite often a company is hedging its bets these days. So they might have a major office in the UK, but also they're setting up in the Netherlands or another country in the middle of um, Europe so that they're not having to export from the UK into mainland Europe and vice versa. And that seems to be something short term that a company is doing. No doubt long term, it will all settle down and it will all become business as usual. The one point I think where we don't really see a difference to compared to before Brexit actually is happened to us is communications because you had to localize your campaigns beforehand and you will still have to localize your, your campaigns. And even if you have your headquarter in the UK, you can work with your subsidiaries in the other markets from a communications perspective seamlessly like you did before. So it doesn't really, from a communications point of view, make any difference up to now. Looking at the final piece of the puzzle for getting the go-to-market strategy right uh, and looking really very specifically at media, because of course, quite often we're advising our clients on their media relations strategy. What should brands know about what the European media landscape looks like today, um, potentially how it's evolved recently? So it's absolutely fair to say that the European media are going through and have gone through a really tough time. So with advertising revenues going down all of the time, the publishing industry is cutting budgets all of the time, there are fewer journalists on the ground. So two things have come out of that for us. One is that actually they need more and more of our content from companies. So if you have an interesting perspective to say, and if you have got good quality thought leadership material, they're keen to take it, they're interested in taking it because they haven't got enough writers on the ground able to write the stories up themselves. And the second thing is that, you know, they really need to hear from you in a proactive way to give them enough material to pick and choose the content that they actually want. So building local relationships, understanding what these local journalists need and want will help you generate the coverage that you need. And you just need to remember that when you come into to Europe, each journalist, each magazine is different and they all want their own specific story and local angle. And one generic story for all won't cut the mustard anymore. Yeah, and if I may add for, for Germany here, with the pandemic, we've seen quite an interesting development with print media, with our national and business media. They gained a lot of traction during that time. 
and also the um, national TV, the national stations um, gained a lot of viewers during that time. And this is something which is, I think, quite interesting and could be leveraged, of course, for all um, the communication efforts. But also, Germany is probably a bit of a different market compared to others in the way that we have still a very strong print landscape. This requires, of course, a different, a slightly different approach to, to reach out to them. Parallel to the online uh, publications, we, of course, also have and all the other uh, communications platforms. So having that in mind, that especially around B2B, we have a vast landscape of uh, trade publications. This makes us quite unique. And that is exactly what, what uh, Sue and I uh, explained beforehand, that you really have to look at each market, evaluate the, the landscape, evaluate the media structure there, look at where your story can resonate and then tailor an individual approach. Now, I always like to end these podcasts on a more positive note uh, and looking at some really great examples from across the industry. So, Sue, can you kick us off with an example of a particularly well-run campaign across Europe and what made it work so well? Yes, I certainly can, Andrew. Um, Ruckus is a um, wireless, leading wireless technology company who came to us about four years ago and wanted to build their brand in EMEA. They were a young and innovative company with, a, with scrappy marketing, and they really wanted to develop that and take it to the next, next level. So what we did is we worked really closely with the American comms team to take the American strategy and the American messaging and then work with our local European teams on the ground to develop and create a European strategy and European messaging that integrated really well with what the Americans were talking about and what they were saying, but at the same time had that European flavor and then that country by country flavor for I think about five or six countries that we were handling in Europe at any one time. So we would do the European hubbing from London, which led back into the American activity. And then we would manage the local agencies and the local offices on the ground to have that, that local flavor. And the campaigns worked particularly well because we, it was truly integrated. We carried out the media relations, which focused very heavily on thought leadership and, and case study activity. But that was very much integrated with running Ruckus's social media campaigns at a European level. So, for example, at Mobile World Congress, we would run their whole press office and social media studio. We had live TV going. We had um, blogs going and podcasts, and it really was an absolutely integrated campaign that maximized their social media platforms as well as their um, relationship with the media. So by the time they were acquired by Comscope, we had built them up into a market leader across the whole of Europe, which we were delighted about. And it just really demonstrated all the strong results that we could achieve for them. And Heike, how about you? What would you pull out as a shining example? For me, uh, shiniest example, and I go to the consumer side now of, of the business, was a Chinese client we served around the project, um, OnePlus, the um, smartphone company from China. And we, we had to execute a campaign around a launch, which had been 
linked to a cooperation with a famous French designer. And this launch had been conducted across three markets, France, Germany, and the UK. And we had to orchestrate these uh, markets towards this one overarching event in Paris. And definitely for me, that was the shiniest moment to see all of these journalists from the lifestyle magazines we have been able to uh, address with individual story angles for by example, our German market, because the taste here in Germany is slightly different to what people like in, in the other market and to, to have and to understand these nuances and to understand how to approach these journalists so they are interested in joining these at that time not so well-known brand. That is was really the, the um, interesting uh, thing we had to conduct across three markets here. And finally, before we close, is there any other advice that we'd like to give brands, especially those looking to enter the European market in the year ahead? The one advice I would really give is to look for partners who really um, on eyesight with you, play around your approach ideas, play around your, your, um, your market view and really give you local feedback on, on your um, strategy and probably be open to revise your strategy you had in your mind in the first place, because once in a while, the world on the other side of the, of the globe looks a bit different and it might need some adaption and keeping this openness, keeping this open mind to be flexible and revise your initial approach. I think that would be the number one advice I'd like to give here. Sue, Heike, thank you for joining us. And thank you to all of you for listening to another episode of The Stream UK. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss our latest episode. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And remember, you can always find out more at alisonpr.co.uk forward slash stream. Thanks for stopping by.